Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Plenty for Everyone. We're so glad that you're here with us. This is Jeff Shuck, and I'm joined with Jennifer Mulholland. And as you know, we are the co-leaders of Plenty. And it is a lovely spring day, both in Indiana and Utah, where we are about to celebrate Mother's Day weekend this weekend. Yes, it's one of my favorite weekends, and we're blessed with warm spring weather can't wait to be with my kids and family and get my hands in the dirt gardening and planting flowers. But it is one of the rare times that I get to receive and practice receiving. And I'm so grateful to be able to do that outside as we kind of really move into this new phase of coming out of shelter in place of COVID. So that's where we are. We're not not sure when you're listening to this, but we're glad that you're here. And It is a wonderful time for many, not for everyone, but not a lot of people are still kind of hunkered down and I think feeling uncertain about what they're supposed to do and their safety. And there's other parts of the country that are opening up and wherever you live and whenever this finds you, we hope that you're feeling a new sense of openness. And it's this idea that we actually wanted to talk about. So if you've listened to our podcast, even for 10 seconds, you've heard us in the introduction talk about this idea of plenty for everyone. And it's the name of our company. We feel so strongly about it. But we wanted to slow down and spend a little time just unpacking this idea of abundance and why it's compelling to us. And maybe talking a little bit about the lack of abundance or scarcity and helping you navigate those two concepts in your own life. And it's it's something that I think, Jen, it's interesting. We did an interview with someone else yesterday and it's like this concept shows up in everything that we talk about. And I don't think that's just because it's our company's name or because it's important to us. I think it, it does permeate a lot of how we live and how we're taught to view things versus how maybe they actually are. Yeah. And we're seeing that in the dialogue in the media, we're seeing it in the companies and the organizations as they're looking to reinvent themselves. And we see it in our family systems, quite honestly, of brothers and sisters and parents and fathers and mothers and children of like who's orienting to a a mindset of abundance or a mindset of lack, if you will. And we have a different term we'll unpack here in a moment, but it is feels like it's all around and we believe it's a choice. It's a choice to see abundance. It's a choice to see the goodness. It's a choice to see the growth. And we're going to unpack that today as we explore kind of these three themes that support an abundance mindset and how we unlock that for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, for our companies, and for the new society that hopefully we are going to build in this new paradigm, in this new chapter of our lives. So in the next few minutes, we're going to kind of unpack three different themes, this idea that there is enough the idea that you have enough. And lastly, and most importantly, you are enough. 
So let's kind of explore and start with this idea of like the concept that there is enough when we're being shown all around and taught to, to be in, in fear, if you will, or to feel like there isn't enough or that we don't have enough. Maybe Jeff, you can tee that off. Yeah. And I like, like everything we do, you're going to see these concepts kind of build on one another. And the the first one's the easiest to get like, okay, there is enough. And then like, you have enough, people are less willing to accept that. And then the idea that I am enough. Wow. So maybe we'll, we'll kind of start with the shallow end here of there is enough. And maybe to start a quick story about when we created plenty six or seven years ago now, the idea of abundance, right? The idea of having plenty, the idea of a full table at Thanksgiving and a heart full of love and all of those visuals that might come to you when you think of plenty was really captivating to us. And I don't think we understood how captivating it would be for our clients and the leaders we work with. We work with conscious leaders who are trying to make a difference. So we work with nonprofits and for-profits and people who just lead teams and lead their families and lead themselves to trying to create positive change. And as we started to tell people, oh, you know, we've settled on the name of the company, it's gonna be plenty. We just time after time saw eyes light up and people say, oh, what a nice and needed concept. And I wanna start with that because So many of us are brought up thinking that the idea that there is enough is something that we have to work towards, right? We work really hard. We're going to work in school. We're going to get the top of our class. We're going to get a real good job. And then we work hard enough. We realize some thing that we didn't have. And one of the things that I think Jen and I talk a lot about in our work is what if that weren't true? Like to be in that mindset means that you accept kind of a way of living that life is about competition, that life isn't about community. Life is about beating someone else. And that for me to win, you have to lose. And this first concept of like, there is enough to get there you, in your mind, you have to challenge that idea that maybe we're competing with each other. And that gets us to, I think, Jen, the idea that you wanted to bring up. If we're not competing with each other, what are we competing with? Yeah, we're competing with a mindset and that mindset's called scarcity. And it really creates our reality. That idea that there isn't enough to go around. So if there isn't enough to go around, then guess what I have to do behaviorally? I have to hoard. I have to hold. I have to constrict. I can't share possibly, right? I have to hold back because somebody might take what is rightfully mine or what I want. And that creates separation. That idea which we're living in right now fortifies the silos. This idea that if you have, there must be a have, I have not. Or if I have, you must have not. And in that mix of scarcity thinking, what happens is we hold on to and we keep private. We lock ourselves into experiencing a limited form of our own potential and a limited form of the collective potential. The opposite of that is when we see that there is more than enough to go around, it quiets and calms our system 
in a place of trust and a place of faith that actually we'll all be taken care of. And so if that is true, if we actually can lean more into seeing that there's more than enough to go around, there is plenty for everyone. It invites more of a collaborative, cooperative culture. And it inspires us to work more, you know, in partnership with others. And so we're seeing that kind of tension point as we look at the right and the left, the Democrats and the Republicans and the rights and the wrongs, and it's black or it's white. Like that's just, we're seeing that come to bear in our society. It's not sustainable. And it's almost like we're outgrowing these clothes because what scarcity really does is it creates a mindset of fear. You know, this idea that I won't be taken care of, I'm not okay. And I have to strive and prove and compete and outsmart the next person in order to survive. Right. So when we talk about this, this is where there's always kind of someone in the room who's well-intentioned, but really certain that we're wrong. And we hear things like, well, no, the, the story of humanity is not a story of community. It's a story of war and struggle. And no, you know, resources aren't plentiful, they're scarce. And that's why we have to like, just look at oil, for example, oil is super scarce. Well, it was until a month ago, and everybody stopped using it. And now we have so much of it that we can't find a place to store it. And that I'm cheating kind of using that example, because I, you know, we're living through a time where wild things are happening. But the point here is, it's partly abundance is a matter of perspective, right? Yeah, there is war and struggle and competition in humanity, but there's huge and long periods of cooperation. And humans, like all animal species, are designed to work together. Like you can't even have another human without a human, right? We're designed to cooperate in ways. So there's a perspective piece of it, but there's also a piece of technology of access of working together. There's a, there's a wonderful futurist and thinker named Peter Diamandis. Many of you might know his work. He's written a few different books and one book is called Abundance. And he uses the story or the metaphor of imagine that you had an orange tree in your backyard, but the, the first branches are 12 feet high and there's nothing to hold on to and you can't climb up. You don't have any food, but you see these ripe oranges and you think to yourself, there's no food, I'm gonna starve. Until you introduce a piece of technology that you could call a ladder, and the ladder suddenly unlocks all of this food that you couldn't reach, and now you have so much food that you can share it with neighbors. And the point of this is that often, things that appear to be problems of scarcity are either one, problems of perspective, or two, problems of lack of imagination, or problems of technology. It doesn't mean there's actually not enough to go around. It means we haven't found a creative way to cooperate about sharing it or a creative way to unlock what's actually sitting right there in front of us. Yeah, and just to, to kind of bring this point to a close to emphasize a word that you just shared, Jeff, is really perspective. Because when we are locked into a viewpoint or a mindset that sometimes we've carried forth in our heritage, in our lineage, in our family systems, and we haven't even known to question it. 
that is it true now? Does it serve us now, this perspective? Is it relevant in the time of history that we're living through? Or have we outgrown that mindset that maybe has been passed down from culture, through the media, but to kind of create some space and question around, do I really know this to be true? Can I really not access those oranges, right? Or if you can't even see the oranges that are plentiful on the tree, are they just hiding behind a leaf? What are we orienting our focus on in terms of our perspective? And and what are we buying in terms of that, that thinking, right? And our intent and work at Plenty is to help conscious leaders loosen the grip and open to different perspectives oriented to this mindset of abundance. Because when we start to look for it, we see it. What we search for, we see. And so that idea of reorienting to what is good, what is plentiful, what is more than enough, we'll see more and we'll have more. And that kind of leads into, honestly, the second point, this idea that you have enough, that there is no lack. You may want more, but what we're focusing on forms, what we give our attention to grows. And oftentimes in a pandemic, in sickness, in survival, in hardship, in whatever challenge you're going through or we find ourselves in. It's an automatic conditioning that all of a sudden bubbles up of this idea that I don't have what I need. And when, again, when we focus on the lack, we see more lack. And so this idea of harnessing an attitude of gratitude is kind of is trendy, yes, but it works. It's this idea of, How can we focus on the gifts and on the blessings and on the abundance that we already have, our homes, our health, our connection, whatever it is for you, even if you feel like you want more, that's okay. But bringing attention to the areas of gifts, of stuff, of shelter, of food, of safety, of a sunny day, of literally just waking up and breathing, bringing our attention on to those will help us remind us that we actually have everything we need right now. And this second piece, again, like, so we're not saying there's broad inequity in the world. We're not trying to explain that away. There's times that people go through hardship in their lives. And sometimes those periods are really extended. Um, What we're trying to say is to define abundance simply on the boundaries of financial success is actually one of the problems, right? (laughs) It's one of the things that creates the whole system that, that creates broad inequity that keeps some people underfed and underemployed and, and under rewarded. And so in those times that we feel like, or have felt like, oh my gosh, we're not going to make payroll or, oh my gosh, I can't pay my bills or worse, I have no place to live or nobody loves me. Whatever those dimensions of scarcity that we each feel, it's a challenge, as Jen says, to think broader. Like what is around? It doesn't mean that you don't need money to make rent or that 
you don't want to have three meals a day, it means that there's always a different way to define what we have and what we don't have. And I love, Jen, that distinction you made about wants versus haves. Mm -hmm. Boy, they can get really confusing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so many of us said, like, I want more time at home before coronavirus. And then, whoa, we got it. And then it's like, wow, I really, really appreciated that time that I got to commute. All that commute seemed like such a scarce, awful experience until I was robbed of it. So interesting, right? The power of that perspective. And again, want to be careful that we're, we're not saying that inequity is okay. And we're not saying that there aren't times where you really have needs, but even in those times you have more than you think. And what happens if we orient ourselves there? Are we more likely to get the abundance in the other areas that we seek versus getting ourselves stuck in a, in a mindset of like, I don't have what I need nothing ever works right for me. Everything goes wrong. You know, I'm never, it's never going to work for me. And it's that narrative that deepens the trench and then starts to attract more reasons to have that narrative. Like the idea, like neurons that fire together, wire together. In our brain, we have these neural pathways and that narrative deepens the trench. So those thought patterns are so much easier to flow through because we've been having them habitually our whole life. And we're just living through this incredible opportunity of the great pause, this forced rest period to question everything and to see, does that thought pattern of lack, I don't have enough. Does that story that you're telling yourself, I need more to have more, to be more. Is that relevant? And is that really true? And is it helpful? We're seeing, you know, a lot of organizations and companies are going through massive layoffs and furloughs and budget cutting. And this is unpredictable time. And our unemployment rates are almost 15% right now. I mean, the highest they've ever been in a very long time, if ever. And what's happening is those resources and the revenue appears to be just completely vanishing, right? But what's happening to some of those companies is now they're looking around to say, what can we do with what we have now? And that's going to breed a whole new era of innovation to rethink. We're already seeing people question, do we really have to get on planes to have a two-hour meeting across the country? No. You know, Zoom can help facilitate that. You know, what are different ways that we can access what we already have and need? And just questioning all of that assumptions and the validity of the way we were doing things is a great example that is going to, I think, usher us into a whole new way that we access abundance if we're focusing our attention there. I love that point. I know we're going to the third point, but just one last thing I'd say on that. A lot of us are experiencing this over the the last couple months in our personal lives too. I know I am, and Jen, I know you are. We've talked about it, of like making the most of what you have and really finding out how ingenious we can be, how creative we can be, how much thriftier we can be. 
my wife the other day remarked to me something that we've noticed for six weeks, we're creating less garbage. And we were kind of like, well, why, why is that? Like we, we only are taking half of what we used to take to the curb every week and thank God they're still picking up the garbage. So that's great. Well, it's not too hard to figure out because we stopped throwing away recycled cardboard and we started to use it in our fireplace. We started composting, um, you know, pretty, pretty simple things that now in hindsight, it's kind of like, why the heck weren't we doing that anyway? You know, it's actually quite gratifying. So we've unlocked this resource of more space, kindling for the fire, great stuff for a garden that we didn't even have until this period. And it's just by being forced into a constraint that seemed so painful initially. And then again, with the gift of perspective that Jen, you've been talking about, like, well, actually, what could we make of this? What could we see right here with, yeah. with what we have? Well, and even that. just questioning and pausing the reuse, recycle, and getting on that mentality, it helps us unplug from the consumerism hamster wheel we have been on as a society. And this forced reset has helped us at home say, what needs fixing? What needs re- you know, refreshing? what could be recycled, what could be reused. And that supports this idea that if we have enough already, do we really need the new shiny thing to make us happy, right? Right. We don't, we all know this intuitively, like the most basic things that come to life of human connection, shared dinners. I mean, for us, we, we never sat down. We did once a week, but why weren't we doing it so much more together? Like those slowing down to say like, actually what we need is each other. Mm-hmm. We need the connection. We need the sharing. We need the love. We need the holding, if you will, of space or shared experiences way more than we need the stuff. And I love that idea of the gift of this time is questioning was the consumerism hamster wheel really in the best interest of our society and of yeah, our people? I love that. And before we go to the third one, I want to connect back the you have enough, which is the second piece with the first piece, which is there is enough. And again, part of the idea here is not to say, well, there, there are some people are really hurting that don't get enough food, that don't okay. have gainful employment. And I think we would link the you have enough with that there is enough by saying, okay, is that a problem of scarcity or is it a problem of distribution, right? Because if I have more food than I can eat in a week and someone across the street has nothing today, it's actually a super easy fix. There's not a scarcity of food. There's a lack of awareness or a lack of an ability to facilitate distribution or something like that. And there's actually a lot of economic studies, not to go too far down this road, that talk about when societies get modernized, when they become more democratic, when women actually have equal rights, when children aren't abused, it actually doesn't create less opportunity for whatever used to be the ruling class. It creates more because there's more people innovating, more people contributing, more people working, more people 
who have something to offer. So again, like these things that in the short term seem like problems of scarcity are actually challenges for how we might be more compassionate, more kind, more cooperative. And so much is solved when we work together. Yeah, beautifully said. The third point I think will conclude our sharing today is the most important. And it's the idea that you are enough. You are enough right now and you have everything you need inside of you to help you make the best decisions for yourself, for your family, for your loved ones, because you have wisdom inside of you. It's innately part of you, whether you call that your the great mind or your soul or your essence or your intuition and intellect, like you have knowing. We all have had it since the day we were born. And as we get older, sometimes we're conditioned to forget how to listen to it or to forget how important it is to act on it. And oftentimes as we get older, those strong leanings, that impulse becomes quieter, becomes more of a whisper, and it takes more practice to kind of clear out the distortion and quiet the noise and quiet the distractions to hear what our wisdom is saying. But it's always there and it's always on, and it comes with us wherever we go. And so the opportunity is to rest in that place that actually I am enough right here without anything more. I don't need to become anything more. And I think, Jeff, you and I have shared a path of striving, of proving, of becoming, of wanting to get someplace, of having huge missions on the planet to make a positive difference in this world. And honestly, not even being satiated when that not being satiated, even when we can see a small difference, we want it to be big and massive and communal and societal. What we're unlearning in this is that actually we make a difference every day. We just show up because we are enough right now. And this stage and this theme is really inviting us to turn within and to listen to ourselves. Most importantly, quiet out the media, quiet out the books, even though those are wonderful pieces of information, but looking to where we're putting our power, looking to where we are placing um, what we're buying and what we believe to be true and turning that within to say, hmm, what resonates with me? What is my knowing telling me? Does this expand me? Does this contract me? Do I go left? Do I go right? And if you don't know, you don't know and you wait. So I would love to kind of hear you, Jeff, share how has that maybe even shown up for you personally of this idea that you are enough and why does that matter most importantly now? Yeah, a few things I would share. The one is, Jen said, this is the most important. And I think we believe more strongly than ever that the first two, right? A world of plenty for everyone, where everyone has enough and where everyone sees that there is enough, really depend on this, on everyone feeling this personally, that they're loved, that they have all the love they need, that they have all the, Jen talked about wisdom and kind of intelligence versus wisdom, but we don't just mean wisdom, we mean love, we mean beauty, we mean creativity, we mean acceptance, we mean care. 
And we all have the ability to give ourselves those things. And here's the, the creative tension or the irony of being in a communal species. The community works so much better when we first each take care of ourselves, when we see I'm whole and complete. And for some people that manifests like Jen was talking about, about the idea of realizing like, oh, I have the answer to my own problem, right? I just needed to walk outside or I needed to go to sleep for a bit. Like great answers don't come usually from Zoom meetings or from working in PowerPoint. They come from taking a walk in the park and realizing, wait, I've got it. But there's equally as important to that is the idea of being able to look in the mirror and say, I like that person, you know, that person's worthy of my care and admiration or being able to look at something that you wrote or that you drew and say, I see the artist there or, you know, and not needing to compare it to Van Gogh or Monet, but being able to say like, yeah, that I'm okay right now. And again, that doesn't mean I don't aspire to other things or want other things or wish for other things, but it means liking where you're coming from. And it's so simple. And maybe that's why it takes so many of us decades to get to that point of not trying to change who we are. And this is a tough one, like Jen said for us, because so many leaders and so much of pursuing self-improvement and consciousness is about climbing a ladder. And then you realize like, I was okay right on the ground. I didn't have to go anywhere. I took a real long road to get back where I was. And that's what speaks to me, I think, Jen, from what you were saying and how I would describe that. Yeah, I love that. It's such a practice to remember that you can't give what you don't have. And so if we're always feeling like we have to get someplace or have something that we don't, we are creating distance between where we are and that thing. And that distance will always be there and we'll never be able to be satiated if we're not giving what we want to ourselves first. And it's a little bit of a conundrum because self-care has really been selfish for a long time, especially as mothers on Mother's Day. Like we have been taught to nurture, to give, and you're constantly on to be that caregiver in those roles we play, men too. And this opportunity to say, wow, how could I give that same level of presence, of love, of tenderness, of forgiveness, of gentleness to ourselves that we give others? And it sounds so obvious, but, you know, we talk to our best friends, our partners, oftentimes a hell of a lot kinder, our children, than we do to ourselves. And how could we change that? narrative to give ourselves permission to say, well, if I'm enough, what do I need now in this moment to support, to see, to access who I am without changing a damn thing? Could I just bring complete acceptance, support, 
love, compassion to myself. And as I walk with that awareness and with that practice, then everything outside begins to change. And so that tension of scarcity and abundance lives within ourselves too. It lives within our being. And we're having, we just have such a beautiful opportunity coming out of this phase and into creating a new paradigm of choosing a path of plenty, of choosing a a, a mindset that you are enough, that you have enough, and that there is enough to go around. What would society look like if we all bared that mindset? How could we better work together to create a new world? Yeah, I love that wrap up and I love how you just stated it. I think if you're listening and saying like, what a load of crap. Um, (laughs) Which you may. (laughs) It's just worth, well, you probably wouldn't have listened this far if you're thinking that, but look, we're all skeptical at times. And I think that it's really an invitation to say, well, what, what might it be? What, what if I were okay right now? What if there were nothing wrong with me? What if I had everything I needed to create whatever it was I wanted to create, whether it's the next ninth symphony or whether it's shelter for my family? Like what if, what if I had that? And what if I lived in a world where everyone had that? Like if nothing else, it's an interesting thought experiment, right? For you to just play with when you hear yourself and here are the clues, right? When you hear yourself saying, I really need X or I can't believe I don't have Y, those might be ways of your soul saying, well, play with something else. You know, what if that weren't true? What would, what would your life be like? So it's just a fun inquiry. And it's also the basis of a lot of our work and small questions, small ways of looking at things that can really have profound implications. And you'll hear us in later episodes, we'll unpack different pieces of that. And you'll hear us talking with other people about aspects of this and how they find plenty in their lives and plenty in their own hearts. And it's a wonderful journey. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. We, um, as always, would love for you to subscribe and share on your platforms and with your friends to create a world of plenty for everyone. And we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Have a beautiful day. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at www.plentyconsulting.com.